got to start everything. Okay. Right. It is recording now. We're in no rush, but Dallas, it's your turn whenever you want. All right. Hey, welcome everybody to our brand new podcast, Mongo Manga Man or Mango Manga Man. Uh, we're going to say it different every single time. This is a shoot off of DTR Comics podcast where once a month we're going to take a long run of manga and talk about it just amongst the boys or whoever else wants to join in along the way. After we talk probably for about like an hour, hour and a half about whatever manga we've been reading for the last month, we're going to give it a rate, a mango based rating that we are never going to explain to you. You've got to determine yourself what we mean by our mango based rating system. But we just thought it'd be smart here on the first episode to introduce ourselves. I can start. I am Dallas Taylor. I am somewhat new to manga, honestly. I've been reading comics for a really long time, but my real first intro to anime and manga came from these guys right here in the chat. I think the first manga that I, I the first anime that I really loved was the One Punch Man anime, in all honesty. I feel like that's what turned me into a weeb. Because I remember I saw it a decent amount of time just in the background. Like, I walked by, well, George, who you'll meet in a minute, and Jacob were watching Sword Art Online. And I remember I had this thought in my head that, like, all manga was basically just hentai, in all honesty. I'm like, <laughs> it, it all seems pretty horny. Like, I don't know if it's for me. And there is a certain amount of horniness in, so far, I'd say, in manga. But I remember I... They were like, no, 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 no. And then I totally had like a your dad walking in at the worst part of a show moment where I walked in on them, just this guy like squeezing boobs on the screen. And I was like, see, I told you that's what anime is all about. They were like, no, it's not. And so when I finally decided to watch One Punch Man myself, that's what turned me into a weeb. And here we are making a podcast about it because we're a bunch of dudes in our 20s. And that's our only discernible character trait is that we make podcasts. So that's me. Yep. I mean, that did that did happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> my name's George, and uh, I, I think that my first exposures just a few years ago. Um, I I mean, I always liked little anime things like Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh. I don't know how much they count, but I think they count in a little bit. Um, but I really like the art style and it just is very aesthetically pleasing to me. So I was thinking, you know, maybe I should check out some of these things. So I, I got into like Death Note and uh, watched some fairy tale and things like that. And um, I just really like it. I think it's it's a really creative medium. And so I enjoy um, just checking those out. I try to stay on the more tame side of things. So that's why that moment from Sword Art Online is... Uh, <laughs> was uh, really weird because Jacob can attest to this. Like there's like, it's a very tame show. And that's like one of the only moments that something like that happens. And it's not like he was even doing it intentionally either. It was uh, he had an accident. I'm just defending myself because I know that my wife and maybe some family are going to be watching this later. And I, I just feel like they need to justify this. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> maybe I just won't tell them about it. Uh, um, but yeah, that's uh, that's my first exposure. <laughs> <laughs> lovely all right uh i believe i'm next i'm jacob the uh the other part of that story dallas told um and 
I believe I'm one of the, I don't know, more seasoned weebs of the group. Um, I think my first exposure, again, barring stuff like Digimon and Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! and all that, uh, is I think I was 12-ish when I first started reading some manga. They had some in our library in a small town in Idaho, which I really don't understand why they had it in there. But you know what? <laughs> I'm glad they did. Uh, it was called Shaman King. It was a weird one, but like that was the jumping on point. And it's been not huge, but kind of constant from then on. So, yeah. Ended up watching stuff like Naruto and... I think I read all of Bleach. You know, I, like I've I've been I've been around, been around. So yeah, this is this is gonna be good. Okay. Um, I guess I'm up next. My name's JP. Um, I thought I don't know. I thought I was more seasoned, but it sounds like Jacob's been around uh, manga anime longer than I have. Um, I never really considered Digimon or Pokemon or any of that really manga either. I I was actually kind of. I forgot that some people thought of that as manga, but um, the first thing I really consider kind of my exposure to being a weeb, I guess, is watching anime back in high school. I had a friend like, anime is so dumb. Let's watch an episode just to like make fun of it. We started watching it like, wow, this is actually kind of good. <laughs> Wait, what was it? I think it was uh, Angel Beats. I'm pretty sure. Oh. That was the first one that I kind of start. I remember because we were watching it on Netflix. And like we watched a couple of episodes and the very next day I go to look for it again and they'd taken it off Netflix and I was upset. Yeah. But then after that, it was like Sword Art Online and Kuroko's Basketball and a bunch of others. And it's just been a rabbit hole since then. So, yeah, I watched lots of animes. Actually, just recently. So My Hero Academia is actually the first manga that I've read. Um, we did an episode on, on of it on the podcast, and we kind of talked about the first little bit, but that was the first manga I read, and now uh, for this episode, we kind of read until, like, what was it, chapter 94 or something like that, mm-hmm. and then like I got to that point and had to keep reading because I'm like, wow, this is good, and so like, I'm completely caught up now, all, what, 240-some chapters? Yeah, it's something like that. Uh, 278. So yeah, it, it's good. Highly recommend. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm T, and I liked Jacob's phrase. I'm also a well-seasoned weeb. Um, <laughs> it like I always kind of liked Japanese-style things. Like I grew up watching like Studio Ghibli movies. Um, and I realized I said that like an American. I didn't say Ghibli, <laughs> but. So, and then, yeah, Pokemon. And I love how everybody's like, oh, wait, I did watch things like Pokemon and Digimon and Yu-Gi-Oh! and Bakugan and, like, actually pretty much Avatar The Last Airbender took, like, a whole bunch of things. Okay. (laughs) So it's like, you've always been a weeb. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I realized as you guys were talking. I was like, (laughs) oh, psych. I watched so much Pokemon as a kid. Oh, yeah. Pokemon was my childhood. I think I got to beat. I grew up watching Dragon Ball Z with my dad. I just remembered Oh, oh yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I that, thought of that, that as a good. cartoon. I didn't re- realize I was an anime until later. I guess. Yo, See, Dragon Ball Z pissed me off as a kid because I would watch like out of order episodes, and I was like, I don't know what the <laughs> hell is ever going on. I'd always try to like, turn it on, and I'd be like, What is happening? 
what is go- why are these guys screaming and then i'd be like oh i'll come back tomorrow i'm sure it'll be a continuation nope it'd be like i go from like frieza to cell and i'd be like what is happening what <laughs> this is the dumbest show that's ever existed see i love how we're like we're breaking new ground trying to read a manga and it's like no we're all just returning home <laughs> but yeah so i did that when i was a kid and then kind of a teenager i got introduced to naruto watched a ton of that and then just went and found different things like watched angel beats with jp full metal alchemist kuroko's basketball oh, a lot of good stuff i'm literally watched full metal alchemist today i'm almost done it's very that's very awesome. so great but so as introductions go we are reading my hero academia by Kohei Horikoshi, and I don't know pretty much anything about him, but he does have a staff that helps with this, especially because I believe the chapters come out really frequently, so he needs help with it. And I don't know any of the staff's names, but it's been running for a few years now, and like JP said, it has 270-something chapters, and we read the first 94. So about you. Yeah, I mean, I think we started off with a good one, in all honesty. You know, like, this is probably the least niche thing in the world. <laughs> I don't know, you could walk up to... I feel like you could walk up to just about ever, anybody, and they'd have some name recognition for this. I guess maybe Dragon Ball Z would have been a little less niche, but My Hero is definitely up there in popularity. Mm-hmm. And it deserves it. it. It's really good. Just like... Yeah, I guess- First impressions, it's a super solid story. It is so, so, so good. I think, like, we're going to go through and we're going to break it down arc by arc and talk about it in more detail along the way. But, like, my initial impression, like, it was fun the whole time, you know? It wasn't a slog to get through these 94 chapters. And there were definitely high points and low points, you know? There were times when I was like, oh, man, I should probably keep reading that for the show. But then there were other times that I swear I'd blink and I'd be like, well, there went 30 chapters, uh... Well, oops. And it was mm-hmm. it was a really fun ride the whole way through. And I think as such an interesting world that you want to spend more time in. You know, it feels just as expansive as any of the superhero universes that I'm already familiar with, with Marvel and DC. Yeah, and I yeah. feel for, like, yeah. for a lot of people that aren't exposed to manga or anime, it's like one that's easy to get into. And it's like a simple enough premise that... It's it's not going to scare people off from from the medium or the or or just anime or manga in general. Yeah, I would agree. Well, and that's one thing that's really fun about it, especially is like even just the premise where it's like a very Japanese take on like more or less the Western superhero comics trope of like get all these people with wacky powers and go out and be superheroes like. It's very rooted in that, but he does it like in a unique way, but it still feels really approachable for somebody who's not like used to manga. Oh, for sure. I also, I love with manga there, I guess I haven't touched anything like One Piece that's just eons and eons long, you know, but like they kind of want you to start at the beginning and they just continue building from there, you know? Like, I start with number one, and there's a continuous vision for the whole story. Whereas, like, I feel like the only comparable comic is, like, X-Men. But X-Men is just so jumbled with constant reboots, constant, like, trying to get new people on, all sorts of shenanigans all the time that, like, 
it's such a garbled mess that it's hard for the story to poke its head up above everything that's behind it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But, like, My Hero isn't that way, and I think that's a really big strength of it. Yeah. I also thought it was so interesting, just kind of like the cultural exchange here, where it's like, we are a bunch of white Americans commenting about a Japanese story based on an American story written by a bunch of Jews in the 30s. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know why, but that made me really happy. Yeah, yeah. Forget, the, forget the Colombian exchange. You know, this is actually the biggest exchange. This is the biggest crossover of all time. Get out of our way, Infinity War. The most ambitious crossover of the 21st century is five dudes talking about the most popular manga on Earth. We have all the infinity weeps. <laughs> oh, man. Like, I think part of what makes it so, um, I guess, approachable as a first manga is like it's it's really relatable. Like the story, it's this world that we're all, I don't know, I think lately, the last couple of years, like, everybody's been getting on the superhero bandwagon like it's just so fun to imagine superpowers and um saving the world but something that my hero does that makes it even more relatable is like it puts it in a school setting something that we're all kind of um relatable with like we've all been to school we've all been in that setting of like the everyday trying to learn and grow and so like kind of combining the two i thought was a really interesting and fun way to put it, it makes it really accessible to everybody I agree. I think it's really fun. I mean, for me, the comparison that jumps to my mind is X-Men over and over again. I mean, I watched the X-Men cartoon in the 90s, and I loved those guys. I thought they were great. I thought it was really fun. And I think my hero almost is like a distillation of that idea of the superhero school and all the shenanigans that go on. It's just like, it feels like it's a more pure form of that fantastic idea that Stanley and Jack Kirby came up with, you know? Well, it's just like they took X-Men and like, what if this ran for 100 years and then everybody got powers and then just Mm -hmm. could like explore that world? And it's like such a strong base that there's so much creativity in it. So many different characters, so many really weird niche quirks that people have. Like this guy's like, my power is to control cement, which would have been useless, except that everything is made out of cement in metropolitan areas. (laughs) <laughs> and you're just like, I love that they're so niche, but it works. Yeah. yeah. But then you have the people world... that just have cactus on their head, so it's it, it's a mixed bag. <laughs> <laughs> um, but does somebody want to give us an intro to the main character and like kind of lead up into the first arc? Who feels like they can properly sum up Deku? I can go ahead. Um I think we were kind of talking about who our favorite characters are, and I, I'm kind of a big underdog fan, Izuku Midoriya. He's the main character. He's the protagonist. And <laughs> getting thumbs down right now. But hey, I don't know. I, I really like the guy. because So in this world where everybody has quirks and powers and stuff, Izuku, Izuku Midoriya, he starts out with absolutely nothing. He's in high school, but um, or he's... Uh, going to graduate into high school and he hasn't even received a power yet and so he's made a fun of in school he's called the nerd and the geek and stuff and he's just kind of socially awkward but like all he wants to do is to be a hero all he wants to do is to help people and so that's kind of our main protagonist 
He's got no powers. But even early on, it kind of introduces him as like he eventually will be the greatest hero out there. But like starting out, he has absolutely nothing going for him. My boy, weak AF. <laughs> yeah, but he's persistent. He tries. He doesn't give up. And that's what I love about him. I mean, he's definitely the Peter Parker trope, you know, the 15 year old. kid. He's literally the same age as Peter Parker was like 15 year old kid has crazy powers thrust upon him. And so, like, the nerdy, shy kid all of a sudden is, like, the coolest kid on the block, you know? And you get to see that dichotomy, and you get to see the imposter syndrome that comes with that. And I think it's it's one of the best retellings of that trope since those original Spider-Man comics. Yeah. And just kind of... Sorry, just to explain that nerdiness thing is, like, what makes him... Re- like, he he's a huge um, hero fan. Like he'll take notes on all the heroes that he sees on TV, like what their quirks or powers are and how they fight. And he like analyzes them and stuff. So he's a smart kid. Like he passes the exams to get into um, UA, the prestigious hero high school, Um, the written at least like he does great on tests and like he's smart and he can analyze things really well. Um, But he's also a fanboy. Oh yeah. He's a total fanboy. Big old fanboy. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're all like, what a nerd, as we're sitting here prepared to talk about <laughs> fanboy things for an hour straight. Like, basically the weeb of our weeb world we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're the second weeb. Yeah, for real. That's why it's so relatable with everyone reading. It's like, oh, I'm a giant nerd, too. And I'm going to memorize all these superheroes' powers and names. And we know as much as Izuku does. <laughs> Izuku would be really good on this podcast, is what we're saying. Yeah, he'd be better at this than us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, well, that's our protagonist. Do we want to go over characters now, or? Yeah, let's or dive into it. Jordan, why don't you tell us all about All Might? Oh, oh yeah. me? Yes. Wait, did you say me? Oh, All Might. All Might is the the true American hero that we all deserve. And, and that we need. And George is the all might of our friend group, just to kind of make that clear. That's why he's. I don't know how him. I got. I don't know how I got to, made the all might of. Uh, you made your own. I, you made your own icon all might for this conversation. Oh, I know. I know. I did it because I was made the all might of the group. <laughs> I mean, he's I know my role. Definitely drawn in a different art style than the rest of us. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> George is the outlier here. <laughs> And yeah, I mean, like, I, I can't suck my gut in as well as All Might can. Um, but uh, basically, All Might is uh, is the Captain America, Superman, all the all these heroic Boy Scout-like characters that you can imagine kind of meshed into one. It's almost as if, like, uh, they're trying to parody Western comics through All Might as a character um, himself. And uh, he has that power, and he... He gets an injury um, while he's doing uh, heroic work, and he's looking for a successor. And that's where uh, Izuku comes in. He decides that uh, this quirkless kid deserves to to be the next um, next hero, the next uh, face of justice. I like that. That's a good intro. So the first arc picks up with this introduction with Deku receiving. What the power of All Might, which is called One for All, right? And, and just, it's basically, so 
just so you were Deku is Izuku Midoriya, the main character. That's a nickname given to him by one of his classmates, who's a douchebag. That's what's so right. great. I understand the nickname is an insult at first. It's like knucklehead or something. Until a girl likes it, then it's then it's cool. <laughs> then it's cool. <laughs> and that's the relatable content we were talking about right there, baby. Uh, you hate your own traits until a girl thinks they're neat. And then you like them. Um, that is one thing about this comic that's tricky for me. Is like I'm already dealing with Japanese names, and that's probably the widest thing I've said all day. But everyone in this thing has like four names as well, you know. And there's no rhyme or reason to what they're called at any given moment. It's just like, oh, okay, yeah, oh, you're Midori right now. Oh, okay, you're Izuku right now. Oh, you're Deku right now. All right, good thing I know all three of those names. <laughs> you know so that is one thing that was like a little hard to grasp right off the top but it certainly does not ruin it at all but yeah so the first arc picks up with Deku being passed the torch of All Might basically he's handed off these fantastic powers from All Might and it's called One for All and with One for All Deku is able to go and apply for the superhero high school basically you'd think sky high but way cooler and the and super rigorous and super super rigorous and so the first arc is all about the entrance exam and you get it somewhat of a an introduction to all the new characters and they all go through this exam in order to join the school and be placed in the classes basically there's only the two classes right there's one a and one b there aren't any more classes they, than that they are, program. I mean, upperclassmen but those are the only two of that year okay and so, actually, there there are more yeah. classes. It's just that 1A and 1B, they're being trained to be superheroes. Mm-hmm. 1C and 1D, they're general studies. And then 1E and 1F, they're business and advertising superheroes. And there's, like, there's the support class too, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's basically the lead into the first arc. Uh, what were some of our thoughts about that, about the events of it? So um, to kind of give a little summary, during the, the entrance, entrance exam, there's a, the written portion that we talked about, and then there's the physical portion where they have to fight robots, and that's kind of like the scoring mechanism that they, they use to decide who gets in. So you get a lot of different characters shown, at, like shown to you really quick on how they're defeating these robots, and um, Azuku's just kind of running around with his head cut off a little bit, not really sure like what to do everyone's taking out all the robots before he can get to him and um he's just feels like he's almost like kind of failing not gonna get into to ua like this but he sees someone in need that's going to get hurt and then uses his amazing power to to save them um destroying his body in the process but anyone want to cover that (laughs) yeah Yeah. um yeah jacob go for it go for it okay um yeah so if i recall correctly like it was like the day or two before the actual physical portion that he even was given the power and given pretty much no usable explanation on how to use it the guy's just like i don't know you get this weird feeling behind your belly button and it's like well, that doesn't say clench your butt great. cheeks <laughs> oh yeah right <laughs> like that's super clear and helpful 
So like, you know, he shows up among all these kids who have crazy powers, like some of whom we already know a little bit about at that point, like people that fire off explosions from their hands, like Bakugo, like he's, he's pretty wild. And like, he's pretty par for the course right there. But then like poor little Izuku just has no idea how to use this new superpower he got and has to somehow figure out his way through fighting these giant robots and saving people. And he's like, now I've wanted to do this, but I have no equipment with which to begin. And so like, you're kind of rooting for him the whole time, but he's just like kind of fallen farther and farther behind as it goes. And then like the opportunity finally presents itself where like, it's really his moment to shine. And he like, jumps up and destroys that robot and just shatters his own bones into what seems like sawdust. And you're like, oh, buddy. Because, <laughs> like, yay, like, you did it, good job. But, like, at the same time, holy crap, your poor arms. <laughs> just noodle, noodle limbs just flailing in the air as he falls. I mean, yeah. it's a little bit uncomfortable. All I've got to say about that, we keep talking about relatability and... Izuku basically is given the same amount of detail with his powers that the United States is willing to give with sex education. <laughs> he comes in and they're like, are you going to get a tingly feeling behind your belly button and clench your butt cheeks and hope for the best? <laughs> and he just gets sent out there into the world. So, you know, it, it doesn't seem that far off from the education system we have here. It's not that far-fetched. <laughs> but, so he manages to get into the high school and this whole scene i really like just because it we didn't mention it introduces a lot of characters and the character designs in this are so stinking good they're top notch. they're so good like we we're kind of like oh man there's so many people with so many names but all of the characters are recognizable which is so cool like even the people that you don't know if i'm like yeah the tail dude who moves around a lot we're all like, oh, yeah, the tail, dude. And, yep. like, the character designs are just fantastic, and the characters themselves are so good and memorable. Yeah. Like, even the characters that aren't that central to the story are still, like, really memorable, you know? Mm-hmm. Even some of them that aren't around for very long, like... Uh, I don't know, like pretty early on but like a little after that point like there's the the girl who makes like hero equipment we've only seen her a couple of times up to that point but Mm -hmm. like she's still like a very like strong personality in what feels like five minutes that you actually get to see her and she's really memorable you know even though it was like a really brief thing and you i don't even know what her name is you know yeah like as a character she and so many others are like really memorable in just the way that they're done. Mm-hmm. Her name's yeah. Mei Hatsume, the one with the goggles, right? Yeah. 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 But then yeah JP's like, like, that's my waifu. Don't you disrespect her? <laughs> I know. No, I've like, got a list of the characters pulled up. <laughs> but there's like class 1B2, and it's like, oh, yeah, they exist. <laughs> yeah. Every time they pop up, I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, you guys. The only one I know is, like, the Vine girl, honestly. Everyone else, I'm like, literally couldn't tell you your name. Well, and that one kid who just, like, really hates Class 1A. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But moral of the story is fantastic characters, fantastic designs, 
And it really helps just like flesh out this whole world where it's like Izuku is the main character of this thing. But honestly, any of these characters could have been the main character and they're super well thought out characters. That was easily one of my favorite lines from the sports festival arc when they were like, Todoroki is so cool. He probably should be the protagonist of this story. He's not. (laughs) <laughs> like I love that. Like if this was a comic book, he'd be the main character for sure. I was like, that's that's great. That's a good nod right there. Because <laughs> I agree. Shout don't out my boy my little Loki. Don't diss my little green boy Deku though. Dude, that broccoli yeah. can eat it, honestly. <laughs> He's like the least charismatic protagonist ever. Except for perhaps oh. like pre-steroids Iron Man. Or not Iron Man, uh Captain America. <laughs> Iron Man's doping? I missed that arc. <laughs> uh, He's like tinking it into the armor. He's like, it won't go in. I can't <laughs> uh, Yeah. I feel like, it, again, with my limited exposure, it really does seem to be a pretty major manga trope to be like, oh, look at this, like, loser. He's going to be your main character, but he's going to get thrust into a fantastical world. Like, I love that in Western cinema, they're like, all right, here's the everyman. They're super bland. Like, Luke, Luke Skywalker, he's kind of whiny, but, like, he doesn't got a lot going on. At least In my experience, manga's like, so here's this giant loser boy. He's you. And this little loser man, this little tiny broccoli boy, that's going to be your stand-in for this universe. Everyone's cooler than him. And you're like, okay, yeah. Yeah, sure, that's my everyman. Great. Don't worry, guys. It's just like stronger. Into after chapter ninety-four. Like, yeah. Go ahead, George. They're like, sorry, what? Wait. Oh, I we'll just, just look at each other for a second. <laughs> I, was, I just think it's funny because it's like their one redeeming quality is just like they'll just work their guts out, and that's it, pretty much. And that's you. Basically Which is the worst ever, but a rare work quality. <laughs> But it's super Japanese at the same time, you know, where it's like, you're worthless unless you work hard and then you can make something of yourself. I Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about like the difference with these Japanese superheroes from like our Western superheroes? I thought that was something that was so interesting as I was reading along. Like, I really thought it was interesting how fleshed out the rules of the world were. Not so much like this is how characters function. This is like the law, the physics of our story, you know, the like usually get rules but no this is like heroes aren't allowed to fight unless like specifically sanctioned by the police i'm like that is just so not in other superhero media you know that's like such a strictly japanese thing that like these superheroes i love there's a line from ida the super speedy superhero where he's like oh if we don't exactly follow the rules what separates us from the villains and i'm kind of like well they're killing people and you're trying to stop them. That that's a pretty big difference there, Ida. But he's like, no, no. If we if we fight them back, which is against the rules, we are bad guys. And they're all like, dang, you're right. Ugh, guess we can't fight back. And I was like, what is going on? What is happening here? And they're just like, ah, oh, we gotta find a workaround for these rules if we want to participate. And like, I don't know. I thought that was so interesting. That blew my mind to to walk through just like the Japanese world through these superheroes, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I thought it was really interesting because I think, at least in the Western superheroes, it doesn't give much thought to all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but like it kind of i liked how my hero academia kind of fleshes out like you know there's consequences beyond just like you know saving somebody like you tear down a building like somebody's gonna have to pay for that so like they kind of talk about how like yeah as a superhero we need to like take that into account and try to keep destruction to a minimum and they've got like licenses for the heroes like if you don't have your hero's license then like yeah like you're saying like you get into huge trouble and like you can't really be a hero um it even goes into talk about how the heroes like this has become a profession for them like they're being paid not like poor peter parker who <laughs> is always trying to go to the daily bugle to make his money but like yeah the the superheroes it's a profession and so like they kind of um they do like advertising and they do they have like their um their agencies set up and they make money by it merchandising going on yeah that <laughs> actually becomes a problem later on with uh stain he he's kind of against that he's more for the western hero that's like i don't care about anything about except saving people whereas a lot of the superhero culture here is you know i want to be seen i want to get famous i want to make money one of the superheroes in the class she's like yeah why do uh deku like asked her like why do you want to be a superhero it's like i want to make money help out my parents it's like yeah well, yeah that that's different huh yep yeah and it, i think that's why deku is just like a really good protagonist in this case because i think he mixes a little bit of both like he's still the rule follower and he does what uh needs to be done that way but like we see really early on in the the manga he's not afraid to just act on that heroic instinct like he'll jump in even when everyone else is telling him not to if he if he feels like it's the right thing to do so i i think that that makes him a compelling char character to compare to some of the other heroes that are presented yeah. but it is a really interesting kind of like thing where we have the story of of civil war in the marvel cinematic universe where the government's like we should register heroes and captain america's like over my and your dead body and then this <laughs> it's kind of like we're all registered and we shouldn't do anything to do that to stop that and for us we're kind of like yeah captain america go be your vigilante and do what needs to be done and here we're kind of like oh yeah follow the rules and it's super different well i just think it speaks so much to the difference between western and eastern culture where we are so individualistic right like we want captain america to have his autonomy we i mean right now we're seeing that in our nation where like people are having a hard time thinking as a collective whole right there's discourse going on and on and on about like individual rights and whereas that's just not something that exists in these eastern cultures there's like like what JP was saying, it's like, oh, no, like if I'm a bad superhero, there's going to be a lot of collateral damage and that's really hard for somebody else. I'll work within these bounds. Whereas like the Western ideal hero is like, screw everything. I'm going to go and I'm going to chase my ideals. And so yeah, it really lends itself to the kind of stories that can be told just simply from that worldview. I dig. But they still do kind of like play with that theme, and I'm sure we'll talk about that more when we get to Stain. They do. Um, do we want to move into the second arc? Mm -hmm. So after everybody gets accepted, we you immediately get thrown into the first day of class where the teacher, Eraserhead, who gets a special shout-out from me. I love that man's. I love Eraserhead, yeah. He is so, so cool. I think, I mean... Obviously, All Might is awesome, but I think Eraserhead might be my favorite professional hero. I think he's so cool. 
I think he has such a cool power too. I think just the scene, the scene with him showing up to teach the first day of class in a sleeping bag on the floor, that was <laughs> so classic. Iconic right there. He's the teacher that makes it look like he doesn't care, but he really cares. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so here in the second arc, all the students that got in get in, right? And as we said before, Deku is able to get in kind of by the skin of his teeth. And immediately at the first day of class, they're like, all right, let's see if you actually deserve to be here. Stretch yourself as far as you can. Here's going to be a bunch of arbitrary tasks. And it's like this immediate tension on Deku, right? Like He doesn't even get five seconds to himself before he's thrust right into pushing himself again, trying to figure out this quirk. And I think it's... College, though. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that... (laughs) (laughs) That is, we... That's definitely how college felt a little bit. You're like, oh, man, I'm special. And you get in, you're like, oh, balls, everybody's special. And we're all competing against each other to be the most special. But we're all pretty much equally special. And so none of us are going to feel that special. Oh, no, I'm collapsing like a dying star. (laughs) (laughs) That's a little bit how this arc feels. I don't know. What were you guys' thoughts about the quirk apprehension test arc? Um, I thought it was fun because it, like, Kind of open your mind to the possibilities of like, um, so like Eraserhead goes on to say, it's like, you all take these tests in normal high school, but in normal high school, you're not allowed to use your quirks. So it's like, you're supposed to do things a certain way, but now we're giving you the freedom to do things however you can. So like one, you have to be creative and find a way to make your individual abilities useful. And then two, it's like, you have to... Um, kind of taper them to be able to fulfill these tasks. And so because you've got these superpowers, now you're able to use them. Um, now we're telling you go full reign. Like you, uh, you can do all these things that you couldn't do before. And so how can you uh, do them to the best of your abilities? Um, for example, Bakugo, he's, he, he's the big kind of a douchebag to Midoriya. He was like friends with him growing up. He's the one that gave him the nickname Deku. Um, he's got a really cool quirk, which is like he like sweats this kind of explosive uh, liquid that he he does lots of explosions with his hands. And so like in the softball throw, see how far you can throw it. Like he had a decent score in high school, but like now he like packs an explosion behind it. And so it goes super far. And so he scores really well in everything. Whereas Midoriya, who can't use his quirk without destroying his body, he like... <laughs> He basically has the same results as high school, except for in finally in one of the um, tests, he decides to like use his um, explosive um, power beside, behind one finger in the softball throw. So it goes out super far, but his finger's destroyed after that. And so you have to find out how to use your powers in a, an efficient and productive way, I guess. Unfortunately, that's a kind of a theme with Deku, though, in this, that he's not very good at that whole efficient and productive all the time. Yeah. The turn bones into stand is pretty pretty repetitive <laughs> with that poor kid. <laughs> yeah. Well, like another, another character that kind of kind of shows how you can use your quirk um, in a different way is what's his name? The laser beam dude? He like yeah, in the foot the race, he just like pops up and like shoots out a laser and goes flying backwards. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. sweet. Yeah. Mr. Yeah. Naval Laser. 
Yeah, it's Tom Trenchy. Aoyama, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, what is his name? Uh, yeah, Aoyama. Aoyama. Um, so, I, it is fun because you do get to see some of the dynamics from the class members. Like when Deku, I think it's actually his. I can't remember if it's right before the entrance exam or here, but I want to talk about he first bumps into Urakako. I can't remember her name. Uraraka. Uraraka. He trips, and the squirrel with the floating power touches him so he doesn't just face planet. And she's like, hey, it, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to. I just didn't want you to fall. Anyway, good luck today on the exam. Hope you do well. And then runs in, and Deku's there. And you see him, and he's like, I talked to a girl. <laughs> didn't actually say anything. And I just want to bring that up because it's like, there are kind of like all these building moments about like getting better, but there's just like these really fun character moments and it's pretty humorous throughout and it just makes the whole thing really fun. It really does. Um, I don't know. I just wanted to point out again that when we were like, oh man, what was that naval laser guy's name? JP, silence. The second another little waifu comes up, he's like, oh, I got that one. Right now. Here it is, <laughs> top of my head. You didn't even get two syllables in before he's like, This is her name and I love her. <laughs> but we floundered for that freaking crotch laser guy for like a minute straight. We're like, What is what is his name? JP's like, Don't give a crap. But these waifus right there. <laughs> I couldn't find him on the list that I've got, but I, yeah, I see I'm, him now. Oh yeah. I'm just giving you a hard time. Um I'm pretty sure that she would be JP's waifu, just for the record. Oh, Yep. <laughs> yeah, she's totally JP's type. Oh, jeez. Oh, he's being anyway, quiet. <laughs> starting to sound a little bit more like Fire Emblem Three Houses, so let's continue. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, let's all remember that these are 15-year-olds, everybody. These are 15-year-old children. Oh, man. Let's move on past that. <laughs> looking uh, at the FBI, just making sure they don't break into my house right now. Yeah. <laughs> FBI, open up! <laughs> but I will also say, with this whole thing, this is probably the point where like Deku destroying his own body to fight got a little bit old for me, and that really yeah. kind of carried on. Yeah, yeah, that... I was literally about to ask the same thing. Like, What do you guys think of the device of Deku's sand bones? Because it it honestly drove me nuts. Like, I was so over that as a plot device so fast. Yeah, I agree. It was kind of, it got old seeing him kind of destroy his body to be able to use his quirk. Personally, mm -hmm. the the point at which I was done was after he figured out that he could like flick his fingers to like shoot with them. After that, he was like, you know, Okay, you got 10 of these, and like they kept that for a little while, and it just got kind of bad after that. It was like, okay, you've got your thing, you've got your shtick, you need to figure out a better way to do this. Yeah. Move yeah. on, kid. I think That's my favorite have part. Bone. I think my favorite part about that whole discovery process was is when he realized that he had legs. That was the big revelation. He got legs. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he yeah. can use legs instead of just punch. Oh man, um, it was like after the, 
that's way that's way down the line i just i just was thinking about his development i'm like yeah there's just some moments where i'm like well the doy yeah yeah i feel like they took a feel slower with the whole sandbone thing i just feel like they took a look at it and they were like oh man you know those like really inspiring videos where someone just like keeps falling down and they finally get up like oh yeah yeah the people the part that people really get inspired by is the falling down part you know we should stretch that out for 70 chapters we should watch tony hawk just eat it off of a half pipe for 70 chapters and finally when he lands it it'll get so lost in the fact that we made you watch for 70 chapters that this kid sucked and like maybe if some consequences were different but just like the fact that's like, I don't want to see his limp arms being all shattered and being carried around to go do things. You're like, it's just a, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so yeah, it's like, like half of the series in cast. Yeah, to put this into perspective, so his all for one power, um, it gets destroyed when he uses it it's one for to all. a certain percent. Like later on, he learns to use like a lower percentage of it. And so he could use like 5% power without like destroying his body. Like after 279 chapters where we're at currently, I think he can like normally use 30 to 40% of his power. So it yeah. like yeah. he you can see him make progress later on, but it, it is really slow. Can you imagine reading this week to week though? Like I really think it was in the 70s when he was finally like pulled his broccoli head out of his butt. Can you imagine sticking with something for? Can you imagine reading Spider Man for a year and a half before he's like, "Oh, bullets! I can shoot webs! Oh, whoa, that's crazy!" If for seventy chapters, Spider Man's like, "I'm just gonna keep trying to jump from building to building, and I'm gonna hit the ground every time. It's gonna be dope." Like, I'm sorry, that pacing was garbage, garbage can. But I think I think it plays into a lot of great things later. Like, no, because I think as the reader, you really think man, maybe this kid didn't deserve this amazing power. Maybe he wasn't the the one that should have been chosen in the first place. And and there's plenty that goes on after chapter 94. I, I've um, watched the anime past that point where you just, it really gets you thinking, like, is this the protagonist that we want or should it have been somebody else? And I mean, I, I think of myself that way sometimes. Like, you know, like, you see all these other people doing amazing things and you're wondering if like you're going to be good enough still despite that and when it comes down to is like you know having that vision and and continue to work even if it's a slow process so i mean i i think i relate a lot to deku and i I agree it's like slow and kind of draws itself out but i do see myself a lot in in that character so i have a hard time kind of dissing dissing his progress I'm 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 connecting with a, a 2D character too much. <laughs> I, I feel for you, George. I feel the same way. It is like from a reader's standpoint, it's frustrating, but I totally relate to that. It's like I feel like I'm I'm on my chapter 300 and I'm still at like my 15 percent. And so <laughs> yeah, I'm like, take your time, my little green baby. Just keep just keep working. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I'm with you guys there. Like I like seeing him grow. I just don't like seeing the character we're supposed to identify with running around with broken arms all the time, just like dangling. <laughs> like, it's it's just the discomfort of the <laughs> drawings of the broken bones and being that's carried that I'm like, yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. I just feel like, again, and here's another metaphor for you. I feel like they're like, oh, man, what's the best? What was the best moment in all of Dragon Ball Z? 
like, oh man, remember when Goku went Super Saiyan for the first time? Like that whole time Vegeta had been like, I'm a Super Saiyan now. I'm super edgy and tough. And then the second Goku went Super Saiyan, you're like, oh shit, that is what Super Saiyan is. And that's the first time in your toddler brain that you said the phrase, oh shit. That's where you learned that swear word. It was distilled upon you. You're like, oh, this is what this word in your head. This is what this word is for. Is this exact moment? His hair goes all golden. You're like, oh, daddy, this is the moment. I feel like with my hero, they're like, okay, yeah, yeah. Let's make it so like, because Goku was still pretty tough and cool before Super Saiyan. Super Saiyan was great. And with Deku, they're like, all right, let's make him a piece of broccoli and then Super Saiyan. We're gonna make him hang out with the broccoli for a long, long time. It's like if Goku was like, oh, me widow baby, me no fight. And then he was all of a sudden like, ah, I got to defend this kid. And then beat the snot out of a cool guy. You're like, oh, that came out of, that came out of nowhere there. I don't know. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just grumpy, but. <laughs> Dallas just actually wants Todoroki to be the main character. Dude, I do. <laughs> I would read that. <laughs> They're like, my hero, Dallas's Academia. And it's just like the Todoroki cut. Keep reading. There, there is a lot that kind of goes on with Todoroki later on. So, oh, for sure, he is my boy. See, so if you could go back and find the author whose name I've already forgotten again, Koke Horikoshi, you're gonna like show up at his house with a gun and be like, "Make Todoroki the main character." I think he'd be like, "You're right. I should have." I hate that broccoli kid too. And, <laughs> and George, Steve, George and and Dickie would be like, like, no, and I'd be like, yes, kill the broccoli. See, if I could do that, I'd just go back and be like, do not make Minata a character. I will. This will be three <laughs> times as good. <laughs> Minata doesn't exist. I hate yeah, that. Yeah, okay. I, take, I take back my wish. We kill Minata. <laughs> I'm gonna rant here Minata. for a second about uh, Minata to let everybody know. Minata is this little nine-inch-tall grape boy, as in his head is covered in grapes, and his only character trait is that he's a pervert, and that's just—he's just used as a shtick throughout the whole thing. And his power is that he's got these little grapes on his head, and he can pull them off and chuck them, and they're really sticky, and people can get stuck. Which, first of all, doesn't make any sense. How on earth do you kill a robot with being like, oh, look, they get stuck? But somehow he made it into the most prestigious high school in the very top class? Don't make no sense. And he's the worst, and he's always trying to get into trouble. And, I mean, the only good part is when he gets stabbed in the eye for trying to, like, peek in at the girls, like... He's the worst. He is the worst. He's the worst. The worst. Yeah, he'd be better with him out of it. Yo, I've just got to read some of these captions from the My Hero wiki page about him. So it says, Minoru can employ effective strategies, especially ones befitting his perverted nature. And it's him, like, clinging to Momo's butt. And then just below that, is a gif of him throwing one of the grapes and it goes menorah demonstrating the power of his sticky balls and i'm like you knew exactly what you were doing you guys knew you made the (laughs) conscious choice to make broccoli the protagonist and the clear antagonist is not all for one it is not that guy with the hand on his face the antagonist is grape boy that is the final (laughs) that'll be deku's big triumphant moment at the end of this manga is killing mineta He'll be like, and now, you perverse little creature, I will pound you to sand like my bones in chapter two. 
It's like and he's that, he's like the Jar Jar Binks. He's like the the secret Sith of uh, my hero. Yeah, it's like Jar Jar Binks. If Jar Jar Binks <clears throat> sexually harassed Natalie Portman for all those movies, did he not? <laughs> Misa, I don't think he did it purposefully. <laughs> oh boy, oh, he is the worst. Is he is he collectively our least favorite character? Does anyone yeah. else have a runner up? No. no, I don't like I don't like a uh, invisible girl. I always forget she exists until I see like a floating hands on the page, and I'm like, wait, what's that? Like, did they just not draw that? Oh, I'm like, oh, invisible. She's invisible. Yeah. Well, yeah, but, she like, destroy a robot. The worst thing that like, she you is, can't prove she didn't. Insignificant. She oh, yeah, is right. kind of a detriment to the rest of the series. It's true. I think <laughs> my follow up least favorite character is Kirishima. The kid with like the spiky teeth and the super spiky hair that's basically just like Bakugo simp. I I can't stand that kid either. You don't like Kirishima? Like I think he's kind of cool. That kid bugs me so bad. I will admit, up through chapter 94, he's kind of lame. After that, though, I w- I'm with JP. He gets to be really cool. So yeah. stay right. I can, yeah, yeah, I can only speak to my experience. But thus far, I do not care about this kid at all. He, he's he could got get, a cool. He's got a cool arc coming up. You guys and all of your extra knowledge past me. You guys are like, well, actually, in chapter two hundred, this character has an important moment. I'm like, well, I read for a week and a half straight, and they did nothing interesting. So, this is what I can speak to. <laughs> uh, oh man. Okay, we've we've dwelled for a while on all this. Um, do we want to talk? Like, briefly about Deku and Bakugo's fight, and then hop into the, the first interaction with the villains, and what we thought about all that. Honestly, I'm ready to move on towards the sports festival, because that was really fun. All right, dog, let's do it. Let's skip all this crap. We should probably just mention the villains before going on to the sports this festival. This is true. Because that actually plays a part in the uh, sports festival. Go for it, um, Mr. AP. All right, yeah. So they're doing their classes. They're learning their quirks and stuff, making them more powerful. And they've got special um, facilities for it. And they get attacked by what's later called the League of Villains. And so what that consists of is a bunch of the villains, they kind of, they have, one of them has a ability, um, Kurogiri. So he can kind of warp and transport people and so he transports uh so the main antagonist of the series is tomura shigaraki um his quirk is that he can make things basically turn to dust by touching them and so he transports him and like their uh their group of bad guys to attack ua high because they know that all might is teaching there because they want to kill all might and so they start trying to take the kids hostage. The, uh, one of the teachers is there, and he's trying to help out. And um, they also bring this uh, kind of a... You, you learn more about them later on, but it's kind of a, an artificial villain called a Nomu um, that's been like basically enhanced with a bunch of quirks that's kind of specifically designed to kill uh, All Might. And so they warp all this stuff to... Uh, AU try to kill the kids at the end of it just to kind of be brief with it um, All Might comes in saves the day a bunch of the teachers they come in save the day uh, and All Might's almost put out a commission 
because at this point he can only sustain his power for so long and he almost loses it before being able to fend off the villains until the um, teachers come and help out. So class 1A is kind of given this, um, given this, I don't know. Uh, dose of reality. Of, yeah, the, the, this dose of reality where they see kind of what fighting is actually like. And they're kind of branded as the class that survived the villain attack at UA. And so going into the sports festival, everyone's looking at them. It's like, oh, they've already fought off villains and stuff. And like, oh, it's class 1A. Everyone's kind of looking out for them. And so that's kind of where we're at going into the sports festival. They've had experience um, fighting villains. They survive. And yeah, all the villains escape, basically. Or at least all the ones that matter. And so that kind of takes us into the sports festival. Also, I, I got to apologize here. I did not set enough time aside tonight. I'm going to have to dip. Hmm. I know. Oh, Next we'll time I'll, have to, I'll, I'll plan better. We need to get your mango score before you go. Yeah. Okay. Give us your arbitrary uh, mango score. So I think I'm going to have to award my Hero Academia and since we are discussing exclusively the first 94 chapters, I'm going to award it four not-quite-ripe mangoes served with salt. Okay. Okay. Huh. Perfect. Yeah, I think, that, I think that's good. Excellent. Okay. That really translates well for me. Yeah, I'm glad. I feel like that means different things to each of us. <laughs> the real mangoes were the friends we made along the way. <laughs> Five weed mangoes. <laughs> All right. Catch you next month. All right. Mr. Jacob. Thanks, Jacob. See you, Jacob. All right. So, in the sports festival, guys, I realize I talk so much, but my boy Todoroki is the star here. Oh, what an arc. Deku, don't care what you're doing this whole time. Honestly, love that you got out like halfway through because you're a little wiener boy. <laughs> Todoroki is king, and I love his character right here. I love his background. I love everything about him. He went from, like, edgelord Zuko boy to, like, king of all of UA, king of my heart. He couldn't, he is he my couldn't have done it without Deku. I'm just saying, like, Deku's the one that helps him realize himself. You know what? Yeah, broccoli is good for you. It gives you lots of nutrients. <laughs> it helps you in life. But it doesn't mean that you want a whole story about broccoli, okay? You want the story about the cool icy hot boy. All right. Let me tell you, I have had an experience with Icy Hot that brought me to my knees in tears. And I can attest it is a greater hero than freaking Broccoli. If you made Icy Hot fight Broccoli, Icy Hot would kill Broccoli in the real world and in My Hero Academia. Well, he did win. Are you happy about that? I was so happy. Actually, he didn't. He did not win. Bakugo won, remember? Actually, Bakugo Dallas. won because Todoroki, he said, uh, I've got to deal with my emo issues. And Bakugo said, psych that, here's a grenade for your face. Uh, yeah, it was it was beautiful, though. To be fair, it though, great. it is a good arc. Even oh, with Dallas just shooting at, at things that we love. Because, basically, Midoriya has to compete in this thing, still not being able to use his powers. And it's just a giant festival that the school puts on where there's a huge obstacle course there are team games and there are 
Um, and then there's a big tournament right at the end, which is mano a mano fights with the other students. So it's this huge festival. All kinds of people watch it. They broadcast it for all of the hero world to see so that superheroes can look for sidekicks and can scout things out. And it's a chance for everybody to show what they're made of. And it's really stinking cool. Something I liked about this arc is kind of it um, showing other people outside of class 1A. Like class 1B, I, um, you see a bit of each of them in the sports festival and they become relevant again later on. And uh, even outside of the hero class, one of my favorite characters, actually, Hitoshi Shinzo. So he's not even in the hero course. He wasn't able to make it because his power didn't fit, um, didn't fit, I guess, the exam. So he has, like, really cool mind powers. He can, like, control people if they answer, answer him back when he talks to them. And so because, like, that doesn't work on robots and stuff, like, he failed the exam. But like later on, he becomes relevant again, and you, he's kind of introduced there in that arc. And so I think it was cool to kind of see other characters outside of the usual ones we see in 1A, including ones outside of the hero course, like Hitoshi Shinzo and the Meihatsume. She was the one that made all the special gear. She's in the support group. I did think that was really fun. And I also feel like there was it was really fun to see the spotlight on a couple more characters because up to this point it really did feel like Bakugo, Midoriya, and like Ida are the main characters, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, other people popped in and out. Uraraku is probably the next most important. But in the festival, like, I feel like this is the first time I really got to interact with Tokoyami in any sort of significant way. I got to understand how his quirk worked better. I thought that was really great. Like I said, Todoroki became a lot more than just like Edgelord Zuko boy off in the corner. And it was just a great arc. <laughs> and part of it, it is really cool how they put so much character development in this, where it introduces Todoroki as selfish and trying to kind of prove himself to his father that he hates mm-hmm. and has Izuku pursuing him and being like, What are you doing? And you're not living up to your potential. And trying to kind of save him by talking to him and figuring out where he's at. Which is a really cool theme that I, I like about this whole story is because, like, it's so focused on, like, how do people learn and how do they become better? And that's one of All Might's things is he's like, I don't want to just physically save people. I want them to feel safe and know that there's something that can protect them in the end so that they can do what's right. And... I really like that theme where it's kind of like Midoriya is a hero, not because he's super strong, but because he is honestly a good person who wants to help those around him. Mm-hmm. So Broccoli yeah. Boy's got his traits. And I mean, honestly, I feel like this is the arc that really shows that the person with the, the most heroic traits is Mineta. You know, like he's really there because he wants... <laughs> to help people he he wants to make sure that everybody knows that they are worth being creeped on you know like no matter who she is no matter where she's at in life (laughs) she is worth the praise of a small great boy and in this essay i will show that he deserved one for all more than midoriya and if he had been given it he could fulfill more dreams than midoriya ever could and his sticky balls (laughs) 
could have been supercharged and someone cut uh, me off. Yeah. I'm going to keep going until someone cuts me off. And Get I out of here, guys. <laughs> Anyhow, the next part of the story. Oh, boy. <laughs> we'll, we'll just all have a public moment, three to one, that Dallas is wrong on this. <laughs> and then there we'll we go. move on. All right. So after the sports festival um, goes into the hero arc, hero killer arc, right? With Stain. So we talked a little oh, bit about so that good. earlier. So good. Yeah. Talk to us about Stain, JP. I really liked this arc. I think um, when I was watching the anime, this is the part that I'm like, oh, man, this isn't just like an entertainment show. It's like it's fun because it gets you actually thinking. So in this arc, um, so well, actually, at the very end of the sports festival arc. So Ida, the class rep, kind of stick up your butt, um, straight lace guy. So his brother, he gets a call at the end of the festival and um, finds out his brother has been attacked and basically left uh, paralyzed. Um, and that kind of introduces us into the hero killer arc. There's this hero killer out on the loose called Stain that is kind of going out for, um, going out to try to set a new world order. He's sick of the um, current status quo of heroes being heroes for status, for gain. Um, and he's trying to reset everybody's ideals back to. If you're going to be a hero, be a hero to be a hero. Don't do it for your own selfish purposes. Do it because, like, like he, he sets up All Might as the ultimate hero. It's like he does it because he's, he's a real hero. He sets his, his life out on the line every time. He's not out for the status and um, for the money. Um, and I'm out here to basically uh, weed out all those other heroes. So he's like, any other hero that's kind of in it for the status and gain and stuff, He's killing those heroes. And so he, he has a repra at this point for killing several heroes, leaving ve- a, a lot um, basically. He's in, killed uh, like 17 heroes, hasn't he? Yeah, he's killed several, left a ton in critical condition. And so he, he's out. Um, he, he's, he's on the news about it. Um, and in this part, also, the students, they're starting to do their interns. That's how we get into this, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Midoriya, he's with All Might's old uh, teacher. Um, what was his name? Gran Torino. Gran Torino. Old Grandpa Yoda. Yeah. He, and so in this arc, uh, Gran Torino and, and Midoriya, they kind of run into Stain. And um, I don't know. I don't know. One of you guys want to talk about that? Well, I just think the themes and just the thought-provoking nature of this was so interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, when I was taking notes for this, I mentioned, like, Stain is such a cool villain because he's a villain that you can, like, really understand and you're kind of like, you know, if the ends justified the means, he's right. Killing people it makes it very wrong, but, like, the thought process behind it is very accurate. Which is kind of weird because it's like, you know, most villains are like, I want to take over the world. Or Thanos is like, I'm going to destroy half of everything. And it's like, that could just be solved with a not fixed world mind view. But like Stain, it's it's kind of weird how it sticks with you. Just kind of his ideology. I also feel like his character design was so sinister and fun that like he immediately popped off the page, you know? And yeah. not only was he an entertaining character as far as his ideology went, he was fun to watch because, like, 
so far we, I mean, there's a thro- a line by him where he's like, oh, these kids rely so much on their quirk. We've seen these really explosive quirks. We've seen these big bombastic battles, but they somehow have less stakes than staying with his two katanas, you know, as he is going through and just based on skill alone and then like utilizing his quirk to amplify that skill, he's able to just literally cut to pieces this whole organization. I thought he was really, really fun to engage with and watch. And it was fun to try and figure out what his quirk was throughout the fight, you know? It's not like he got a big... It's pretty easy to tell what Bakugo's trade is, right? Like, he comes in, he just starts throwing out explosions. I thought it was a lot of fun to try and figure out what the hero killer was able to do with his quirk throughout the fight. Was I the only one that thought he looked like a Ninja Turtle? No, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like he really looked like a 90s comics character. Oh, yeah. You know, I was like, he is over the top. He is macho man. He is edge lord out the wazoo. And I thought that was really, it was a fun change of pace because this is a pretty polished, fun, happy world, you know. And then he's like, I am darkness. I am the night. And you're like, okay. It's like, we're going from a bunch of kids in high school to straight up murder like seeking people out and murdering them because of their career choices and you're like whoa i mean we've all wanted we've all wanted to do it to a stem major but like we've never actually gone through with it (laughs) i'm a stem major by the way everybody you're done for (laughs) dallas is just out here to make enemies today (laughs) (laughs) we'll disagree on everything in this this comic Guys, I like I like this comic. <laughs> I haven't said anything bad about the comic other than Deku is the worst. <laughs> okay. Another thing I like to point out is like this was a turning point for the entire series. Like up until this point, like you know, it was normal for heroes to kind of do their thing, have their wages and stuff. But like at this point, like from this point onward, um, people are questioning how heroes. Um, how heroes operate even the the villains they start kind of banding together it wasn't really common before they just kind of you know selfishly do their own thing like try to steal for money and whatnot but like now they're banding together behind a cause it's like yeah it's unfair that these heroes are just using their powers however they want just so that they can get gain it's like it makes it kind of look like the villains are the ones being oppressed because they can't use their powers like the heroes can and so I think from this point onward, it's really interesting because it has an impact on the entire um, setting of the manga. Yeah, and I feel like it it takes a lot to actually do that because after this, it really kind of sets up kind of these two teams of the heroes and the villains. And you kind of have like All Might as the old leader of the heroes, but he's trying to pass the torch to Izuku and then on the other side, you have All for One, who's got the antithesis power to All Might, trying to create his own protege. But they take the time to like flesh out the characters enough that you actually can kind of see them both and not just be like, oh, my favorite people and their enemies. It's like, no, they're two really difficult ideologies fighting here. And it's really fun to see. Mm-hmm. And I think it it plays off really because, like, Stain wouldn't resonate as much if all the heroes were like All Might, you know? And I think it meant so much more that he did like All Might. And he's like, if you were all like All Might, you wouldn't be like me. 
But immediately before this, we got to watch like Midnight and Mountain Lady be catty and fight each other. You know, we got to watch all of these heroes. We got to see all these heroes up close because of the our class 1A getting to go out and be interns for them, right? And you get to ask yourself like, uh-huh, like they are doing this for their own gain. This is a business. This isn't altruistic like a Western superhero. And yeah. so I think it was I think it was so smart to introduce Stain at that point in the story, you know, when you got mm-hmm. to start seeing heroes with their warts a little bit. <clears throat> yeah, especially like the one that kind of hit me was there there were two of the female heroes and they go to like this really famous female hero and she's just like shooting commercials all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what their internship is as superheroes. Yeah, I, I agree. And so I think it resonated really well. And it's set up really nicely for the introduction of All for One and a more serious side to the villains. Right, because back at the USJ arc, I mean, we bra- we went right past it, but like the villains showed up and they're like, Mwahaha, we're the villains, let's fight. And then by the Hero Killer arc, and then going into kind of like the Hideout Raid arc after this, I realize that's kind of skipping over a big chunk, but... The villains start to make sense. The villains are more sinister. There's a dark, there are like darker edges around the world, and there's a lot more depth, I think. Well, like the villains are more sinister, but they're also humanized quite a bit, you know? Where, and I mean, we probably, this is skipping ahead, but I'm also more interested in talking about the hideout raid than, than the forest thing. I agree. So, actually, I'll talk about that real quick. So, we have Stain, and he's managed Todoroki and Midoriya, and Ida managed to hold him off until the heroes can show up, and there's this big conflict. And then after they solve it all, all the students are sent to this big training camp. But because of that huge incident, and for some other reasons, all of the villains are starting to band together, and they decide to try and destroy everybody's faith in the heroes by kidnapping a student from this class and they in particular want Bakugo because he's kind of villain villainy and so while they're at this training camp they attack and they do manage to kidnap one of these students despite everybody's efforts to save him and so that kind of sets up this big confrontation where the high school has to go public with the fact that 17 students were injured. Um, a few of them, like, very seriously injured. One of the heroes that was protecting them has gone missing, and one of them was kidnapped. And so they aren't able to keep up with this. And so it kind of sets the stage for this conflict where the heroes go to try and rescue this kidnapped student while the villains gear up to kind of enact their plan. Mm-hmm. Can I just say, like, up until this point... Yeah, Bakugo, he's the one that's a douchebag to Midori the whole time. And basically, he's a douchebag to everybody. I honestly thought he was going to turn villain at this point. Because he did. he's the one that got kidnapped, and he was with the villains. And like he'd always been, I don't know, he'd always been a jerk. I, I completely thought he would turn villain at this point. See, I don't know that I did. I kind of, I don't know, I feel like he acted predictably for me. You know, because we did have those scenes where we knew he really looked up to All Might, right? And so for me, like, I feel like it, it tracked pretty well. But he was definitely the right choice to kidnap. I mean, I wish they'd 
kidnapped and assassinated Mineta, but you know, <laughs> Bakugo's a good second choice. Oh, true. Can you imagine they're just like on live television? They're like, we've got the sticky boy. And everyone's like, good. We picked the villain. We picked the villains, honestly. No hero was brave enough to do that. <laughs> but it's this really cool scene, the, the whole thing, because it actually is kind of it introduces the the ultimate villain and has him pass the torch to his protege and face off to All Might one more time, like one final time. And it's really interesting how they do humanize it. Like, you definitely know that all for one, this villain is evil. But when he looks at, at All Might, it has these very humanizing moments where he's like, you know I hate you, when for years you just found all of my friends and took them out with your fists and I can't stand that or during their fight when All Might's getting injured and he says an injured hero is always the most dangerous I still remember last time we fought when I tore out a bunch of your guts and you still came after me I still see your face in my nightmares and it's kind of like it's interesting how they're able to paint All Might as this incredible boy scout analogous for superman he's inspired the whole world and then see it from somebody else's perspective and be like wow that's terrifying and it does a fantastic job of balancing those two forces against each other i definitely agree i think that i mean i'm so happy that you guys chose to end our reading at this part it was such a phenomenal peak in storytelling up to this point i think it really carried through on a lot of the themes that were introduced in the hero killer arc. And what better way to see like this, this somewhat finale to the first half of the story than the embodiment of all things good against his exact antithesis, right? But then to, like you said, make it a sticky situation where it's it's really just shades of gray, right? But ends with this phenomenal triumphant moment. I I think this was some of the best storytelling I've seen in a really long time. And it really felt earned after reading these 90 some odd chapters. And I, I mean, I just loved that final blow, the United States of Smash. That he <laughs> so uses. good. So throughout the series, All Might, whenever he throws a punch, he always uh, yells out like a, an, a U.S. city, like Detroit Smash or... New York Smash or something like that. And, Delaware uh, Smash. Delaware Smash. And you know that uh, when he when he lays down the United States of Smash, that that's the penultimate attack. He's given everything he got. And uh, I don't know, that, that moment, like just seeing him standing victorious right after um, defeating All for One was... Uh, I don't know. It was just a really good moment in the comic. I, I feel like it built up really well and it, it had a very satisfying conclusion to that arc. Mm-hmm. I sweetly agree. And it's also interesting because it's kind of like one reason that I really enjoy manga in general is it doesn't follow all the same tropes that kind of U.S. stories or like Western stories do where if you compare this to Star Wars, it's like, you got the plane kid, and he meets his teacher, and then his teacher kind of passes the torch to him, and 
doesn't really face the evil and goes on. And I love this, that it, that Deku is just part of this world, you know, that even in that fight, it was bringing up history from way before the, the story began. And it actually like lets all Might finish his story and lets all for one finish his story and then goes and tells some things about the previous people that had all might's power and I really love just how unexpected the whole story is. And it doesn't follow the, oh, the leader teaches for a little bit, then dies so the person can go on. And it just kind of breaks those. And I really enjoy that about manga because it's it's good storytelling in a way that I don't always expect. I think it really played with those tropes well, though, because I really didn't know whether or not All Might was going to be able to pull it off, right? Like, I'm conditioned as a Western story intaker to believe that, like, that's the Ben Kenobi dying to Darth Vader moment, right? And then, so it it really was phenomenal to see All Might come out triumphant, you know? But then it was also phenomenal to see, like, oh, this story doesn't end here. Like, I kind of expected All for One to be, like, the big final boss at, like, chapter 400 or something, you know? But no, like, I love exactly what you said to you this was the bookend to the All Might story, and now we get to watch Shigarachi, Shigaraki, or whatever his name is, be the villain moving forward, and Deku be the hero moving forward, right? Or yep. Todoroki be the hero when Deku inevitably <laughs> is voted off the island. Um, but it was so, so cool. I could not put the manga down during that, that last confrontation with All Might. I... I had the biggest grin on my face, and I was so, so happy to see that serve as the bookend to my time with My Hero Academia up to this point. Yeah. Originally, that's where I started reading the manga. I was in the middle of that fight, and an episode ended in the anime, and I was like, okay, where's the book? I need to find out what happens. That's right, awesome. Yeah. I was watching the anime, and that's where I, like, I had to stop, and I was so upset. And I didn't, I wasn't into reading manga at that point yet, and so... I was just upset for a long time, but then this season there. Huh? Yeah, this I'm pretty sure season three ends there, and then season four keeps going. But season four wasn't out yet, and so it was just a hard place to stop because it was just ah oh, so good. But one this time last though, thing, one last thing about the themes thing is because it's like it does subvert it, but it brings that up. Like I don't think you got this because it's in the next two chapters, but it shows all for one in prison after being defeated and they've got like all kinds of restraints for him and he's like well all might you messed it up right at the end you should have died and let your protege carry the torch without you it would have made him stronger but you didn't and i did and that's why i'm gonna win because my protege knows he's that he's truly alone and it's really kind of chilling and you're like oh yeah and so it's does such a good job of playing with all those things. And so it's it's fun because it's familiar, but it also breaks your expectations. What are your thoughts, George? Um, I totally agree. And, uh, you know, it's it's a really interesting turning point because along with, you know, defeating all for one, um, all might's has like expended all his power. He's done as a hero like he survived but he's not going to be able to fight anymore. And the rest of the world knows that. And that has really far reaching effects with villains, with heroes, like who's going to be the next number one are the villains. They're going to have more courage because that symbol of peace and justice is gone. 
and it kind of just leaves you like just wondering like what now and uh i mean it just it piques your interest and it i think that my hero academia for the first bit can be defined as before all might and after all might um and uh it's it's a different dynamic and i'm excited for both the or whoever hasn't seen past this um to continue watching or reading and i'm i just want to hear how you guys like it (laughs) Mm -hmm. you should award some mangoes then let's yeah yeah, let's let's wrap this up and give us some mangoes i want to talk about sorry (laughs) all right all right all right gotta go quick something that i jotted down I love um, the theme of like, how do you deal with situations you're born with or not born with? Because Midoriya, he's not born with powers. And how did he deal with that versus Todoroki, who is born with like the best powers you could wish for out there, fire and ice that kind of like even each other out so he can use either one to the max. Like, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Like, I, 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 I felt like this um, manga had a great way of portraying like what what you're born with or what you're not born with, how does that affect how you live your life? You've got all these different superpowers, but like villains, for example, because um, let's say Stain, for example, it's that's not a power that's going to get you anywhere in life, being able to like eat somebody's blood and like make them unable to move. Like, how are you ever going to use that as a hero? Like, is that fair? How could you advance with that? Or I don't know. What do you guys think? I really like that. I think, Honestly, I didn't think much about it, but I think that is a really special thing to talk about. That, like, somebody's situation doesn't necessarily denote where they have to end up, like Deku. But, like, it very much can determine where they are. Like, I mean, we find out there at the end of chapter 94, like, where Shigaraki comes from, right? We find out, like, why he loads All Might as much as he does because, like, he didn't get the torch passed to him from his grandmother that was All Might's predecessor. And so you get to see how these people really are so human, right? It's not just like great power, great responsibility. It's like Spider-Man. It's family matters. Uh, Where you come from matters. Who is willing to look out for you matters, right? Like if Deku, honestly, if the stars didn't align, like Deku would have ended up being a nobody, right? If All Might had never interacted with them. And so I think it's a really interesting thing and it's it's kind of like makes yourself check your privilege right like are you like a Todoroki where you have everything in the world but out of your own spite at the world you just don't take advantage of it right just because you want to be like an edgelord kid you're not willing to take advantage of all that you've been given when there are people like Deku that are just scraping to get by I think that's really cool that's really thought-provoking GP I like that yeah and it's a theme that you see in Japanese media that I really like where it's kind of like it doesn't matter like where you are right now as much as it matters like how much you work and are willing to put things in and do what's right i like it do you have anything to say before we wrap up george just uh echo that just you know just find what your talents are if your talents are helping people or saving people or whatever it is in this just like find ways to utilize your talents to their utmost because even if it's not what you were expecting or what you were hoping for originally it's it's still a talent that you can use to benefit people around you um so yeah i think it's a good message for everyone
I like it. All right. My mango rating for My Hero Academia. I am going to rate it one Costco bag of frozen mangoes with one shriveled rotten grape from underneath the bed. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. That's my indiscernible rating right there. (laughs) And okay, I think I'm going to name it like, you know, when you got a mango. And you like slice off the skin, but it's got like a big juicy bit on there, and you like grab it and just like pull it off with your teeth, and it's like really fun. That that's what my hero academia is like—a real juicy mango peel. Okay, okay. I think for me it'd be a bowl of sli- of diced mango, just mm. sweet and mm, juicy. Just like all those waifus that you like their names so much. <laughs> <laughs> If you're reading this, I'm single. You want to get to know my type three? <laughs> my hero academia, I guess. <laughs> okay. Um, my my mango score is one green mango in a microwave. Um, just trying to control that percentage so it doesn't blow up. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. All right. We have been Mango Manga Man, and we will be back with you next month with Tokyo Ghoul. So stay tuned. Please like our video, share it with people. We want to make this into something. We want to engage with the community with this. So thank you if you've watched this, and see you next month. Bye. See you next month. Thanks. Bye. Bye.